of the Flat Track Bully podcast. Today I'm joined with a special guest, Mush. How you doing, bro? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's a privilege. Uh, thank you for coming on. That means a lot. So what we're going to do today was we're going to, we was going to analyse the Burnley Liverpool game, which we're going to do later on. However, just because today was the Champions League draw, we're going to give our reaction and thoughts on that. Is that all right? Yep, I'm more than happy to. All exciting right. times for Liverpool. Yeah, exciting times, man. I, I just had this vibe of when they announced the draw, I just felt like number seven is ours. You know what I, I mean? Like, I, I do you know what? I, it's so funny you've been saying that because I've been at work all day and that's all I've been saying. I, I genuinely feel it's, it's not even a, a fact of Liverpool being good, which is obvious yeah. anyway. It's that over two legs, who's better? I, yeah. I, I genuinely don't... No one has an answer to that question, so... Of, of course, like, because our midfield, right, people question our midfield saying, oh, we need a number 10 when we're going to play teams like Burnley, for example, on Saturday night, how are we going to break them down, etc., etc. However, Champions League is such a different competition that... Well, yeah, our, we're, we're built for it, aren't we? So. Exactly. Our midfield is drilled in for two legs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree completely. All right, so... We're playing against Napoli again, which mm-hmm. is odd. And we got Salzburg and Jenk. What is your thoughts of that straight away? Um, okay, on first impressions, just listening to it, yeah. I think I think it's a we're it's a lot more of a different position in comparison to last year, where I think even Liverpool as an established team within Europe and our standing, yeah, there's very few teams you'd say are better than Liverpool. So any group. I think we enter where we're expected to go through and top. Um, I don't think it's any different um, in terms of the individual teams themselves. Yeah. I think Na- Napoli are a very interesting team. I think um, from that, there's a, a, I know we shouldn't really promote any other podcast whilst we're on this one, but there's one yeah. called o- on the continent, which yeah, is yeah. a, which is a great pod and uh, Andy Brassel and uh, James Horncastle, who are quite good with their Serie A knowledge. They were talking a lot about, um, how Napoli this year, especially with uh, the signing of Manolas to play alongside um, Koulibaly. That's quality signing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, just it takes time to implement methods and we yeah. all know Ancelotti's pedigree in Europe and I think that Absolutely. will stand them in good stead. And they were very good in the Champions League last year. If yeah, Alisson, they got if really Alisson doesn't save that, we, we're out. So Yeah, they got really unlucky because I always thought uh, it was down to goal difference, you know what I mean? But yeah, it was like goal scored, which was mm-hmm. so unlucky for them as well. But just like you said, they are a very good team. And just with Man, it's because they had Raul Albio last season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he's been and, around forever and they needed yeah, to re- refresh yeah. that a bit. So and to like, think... to like switch him up with Manolos is mm-hmm. such an upgrade for someone that is talent and for cheap as well. It was like right near the 25 million mark. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the other thing that a lot of people don't realise is that Napoli were a bit hit and miss last year, but um, yeah. probably probably their best outlet out wide, seeing as Insigne and Mertens cut in, Fauzi Gulam, who plays at left-back, yeah, yeah. He, he was injured for basically the season. So him him coming back is going to add a much bigger dimension yeah, to, an al- to an already good side. So I think I think that will be interesting. Yeah, yeah, he was right, because they had, I think it was Marco Rui left-back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, Mario Rui, yeah, he, he's very limited in... Kind yeah. of what he does. He's just an angry little man, basically. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not like, too big a fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. Like I was going through like some Napoli forums, and they they class him as a liability, which kind of makes sense because 
he, he reminds me of more of a like a Morena 2.0, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Good at going forward, good at dribbling, however, his defending is woeful. Um, what about Salzburg then? Um, Salzburg, do you know what? Salzburg are actually very interesting. Uh, the, yeah. the, some of the players' names uh, have left me right now, but they, they have a, because of their whole Red Bull connection with Leipzig, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very much considered, and I know uh, Sadio Mane had the same path here, yeah, in yeah. terms of being the entry point for a lot of African players coming into Europe. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And um, for that reason, a lot of them, and I don't mean raw in the lazy sense, I mean very much raw in terms of coming into the level of quality coaching they have. So um, yeah. some of them are a lot more ready than people realise. And I think um, in terms of Salzburg, they, they're quite electric in the sense that they try and uh, replicate the way Leipzig play. So yeah, they play yeah, in yeah. high-octane style. And I think, I, I mean, all of this being said, we're, we're really probably giving the teams more respect than we should. But I mean, Salzburg, at least for their level, they are a very good side. But obviously... Yeah. Doing well in Austria is very different to coming up against yeah. the champions of Europe. So, but just like you said, it's good to give them respect. Like we had the fair shares last season against Red Star, and we know how that turned out. Oh yeah, so, we struggled against Ludogorets a few years ago. Yeah, so, uh, that was that happens. was that was awful. That was awful. Yeah. But um, yeah, just like you said, they they provide like raw talent, such as like Nabi K went through that as well. Just like you said, Sadio Mane. So. Their team definitely to look out, but I don't think they're going to do much in the group stages anyway, unless they get a few points of yeah, jank. Which I think point. their target should be to try and get as far as they can in the Europa League. I don't think yeah. they're necessarily looking at going through, but yeah. that doesn't mean that, you know, we've seen it with various teams, whether it's Ruben Kazan or uh, yeah. Apoel. They, yeah. when, when the big team comes to the small ground, they want the scalp. So we're yeah, very much going to be, you know, the big boys are in town. Let's see if we can yeah, get yeah, yeah. Yeah, but just yeah, also just he said, um, it's good for them to like. We don't know what the aim is because you know mm-hmm. Champions League football, anything can happen. Like we saw Ajax last season, they could have gone on to win the thing if they wanted to. Uh, but just he said, third place would be a good shout for Salzburg, just because it would be another route to Europa League. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. So the last team is Jenk. Personally, yeah. I don't know a lot about him, but I know Migdalay went there, wasn't it? Or was it Club Bruges? Uh, it was Club Bruges. He yeah, went. Okay. Um, so, in terms of Genk, I mean, all I've done, I'm not going to act like I've researched extensively. All I've <laughs> done is just looked at their current league position. Yeah. Uh, they're second and they've won three and drawn one. So, you know, they, they've obviously started consistently. I looked at the player list. I honestly, I didn't recognize anyone there. Yeah. So, um, and, and that isn't me undermining them. It's just, you know, the level in Belgium is obviously quite low. I, I don't anticipate us having too much trouble but that being yeah. said um th- there's various teams in that kind of middle tier in europe you know swiss teams and yeah, belgian yeah. teams and such who do who do cause the bigger boys problems i know i know we're not man united but man united struggled <laughs> yeah. against, struggled against young young boys and yeah, yeah you know basel have always been good and this is the kind of level we're talking about so i'm sure yeah. that when they turn up they'll probably my my assumption is that you know you you don't a team like Genk won't get through to the group stage unless they've navigated the qualifying very well. So yeah. I'm expecting them to be well coached. I'm not going to act like I know their playing style or their structural formation, but I know that like like we're talking about, 
it's the Champions League. You literally yeah. have to respect everyone. We're not yes. we're not Barcelona at the new camp who any team who isn't in the top 15 lose 7-0. We yeah. unfortunately we're still, you know, we're still working our way to that level of the table. So yeah. no, I I'm I'm if if I could summarize, it would probably be I fully expect us to go through with what? Napoli causing us a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Um and I'm not the kind of person who overreacts after one result. So maybe out of the four games that we play home and away versus Genk and Salzburg, we might drop a point or two at one of the games. That, yeah. That's yeah, just like you said about showing respect, what I expect from Liverpool Klopp is to go away games to Genk and Salzburg and just put a full team out. Like last season... We had players like Lalana and Sturridge starting away to Red Star, which was a big mistake because Sturridge missed plenty of chances. So we need to go to those grounds, quiet down the fans, because you know they're going to be up for it. Yeah, 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 100%. And I think I think the Red Star choice from Klopp, and listen, I I, I love Jurgen Klopp, but I, I <laughs> yeah, think he doesn't. genuinely, genuinely yeah. love him. Um, but I do think that, and, and I think I'll credit him a lot, Arsene Wenger was very good at this. It was almost solidify your qualification yeah. with a game or two to go and do what you want for those last two games. Yeah, I, that's exactly I, for, what for me, getting yeah. a perfect record in the group stage means absolutely nothing. So, yeah. you know, it, it, they yeah. can do what they want. Yeah, just like you said about, uh, just like you said about um, winning winning games so you don't have to focus on the last two. Like, you've seen Pep do it for the last few years. Like, he batters everyone in the group stage and then wrestles everyone for the Premier League. I think that is exactly what we should be aiming for. And hopefully that's the outcome anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um... So, also along the news, Van Dyke, UEFA best, won the Best Men Award. What was your thoughts on that? I feel like a proud father at the moment. <laughs> um... um <laughs> No, I think with uh, Van Dyke, and and um, he is now. Uh, we were discussing before we recorded how there's me. Yeah. That there's twelve years difference between me and you. So I've I've seen yeah. a few a few more defenders. I'm not going to act like a yeah. wise old man, but I've I've had the chance to watch a bit more football. Yeah, and yeah. and genuinely, he is one of the best defenders I have ever seen. And I, when I say ever seen, <laughs> I'm I'm talking about. The Rios, the Nestas, the Cannavaros, he's up there with them. I completely understand other fans saying he hasn't done it for the length of time. And that is why you can't put him put him in that category in terms of, of, course, of course. their Hall of Fame status. But of if course. we're talking about a player playing at his absolute best, yeah. no team in history weakens by you. If if Van Dyke yeah. plays in Sir Alex Ferguson's 2008. Manchester yeah. United team, they don't achieve any less by keeping Van Dyke instead of Rio there, if that of makes course, sense. 100%, 100%. So, like, yeah, like, sorry, go ahead. Just like you mentioned about players like Nesta and like your Rio Ferdinands and Vidgets, like I feel like people are more nostalgic towards them instead of seeing the bigger picture. But just like you said, of course, Van Dyke still needs to prove himself. He's got to be more, he's gonna, he needs to be consistent throughout the years. However, there's no doubt he is going to be consistent. And the scary thing is, He's only twenty-seven. You seen you seen how players, uh, defenders, their their career spans are a bit more longer than you know, out, like midfielders and strikers, etc., etc. You seen Cellini, you seen Bozagli, Benucci's like they're in a midfield, yeah, yeah, yeah. etc., etc. So Van Dijk's only twenty-seven, and he's still. And the scary thing is, I, well, I believe he hasn't peaked yet. I'm not sure about you. 
I think the big thing about Van, I, th- I think he is. Uh, God forbid if there's another level to Van Dyke. Goodness knows what I'm But uh, I, I personally think he is at his peak. But I think yeah. the one thing that, and you make a great point there about longevity, is yeah. that Van Dyke's biggest strength is his mind. Genuinely, I get that he's fast. I get that he's tall. I get that he's strong. I get all of those things. Yeah. But what puts him ahead? of those other traits because a lot of the other defenders have those traits what yeah. puts him ahead is that he is four to five steps ahead of those defenders and what yes. i would say is even if he turns 32 33 if he's four to five steps ahead now even if he drops stop drops off he's still one or two steps ahead so of, of course for, 100%, 100%. yeah I, I i i can't emphasize how for, for example i actually tweeted this that when we played southampton um yeah. A week ago, Virgil Van Dyke played an, a ten out of ten, and 100%. the mess, the mess that Matip in the first half and then Adrian in the second created, made it look like he didn't defend well. But mm-hmm. he mm. was, flo- I, I mean, absolutely flawless. And and the funniest thing is with Van Dyke, it's it's so funny that other fans who who do admire him, I'm not going to say other fans don't respect Van Dyke. They completely. Yeah, yeah. Is that the thing I think us Liverpool fans care least about, apart from, I would say, the pettier ones, are yeah. I don't care about Virgil van Dijk not being dribble passed in a year. Oh, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't even really think that's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think that's true. That's how funny it is. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but in terms of what I love about Virgil van Dijk is during the 90 minutes I watch Liverpool Football Club, yeah. the, the level of calm and control yeah. He provides the entire team is for me what makes him the best defender on the planet. Of course, of course. Like um you remember last season when Gomez got injured, it used to be him and Van Dyke together in there. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and they were then, incredible that first Yeah, half. yeah. And ever since then it was Matip. And then we've seen Matt Matip blossom into the player he is right now. You know what I mean? He's one of the most underrated centre halves in the league or even around Europe. Mm-hmm. So definitely definitely. I think and, and I think that's a that's a really good point because he I, the funniest thing about Van Dyke is, I mean, sorry, about Matip is that I think this is, how can I describe it? Almost like Sacco to a new level. And what I mean yeah, by that yeah. is that Mamadou Sacco, at his best, was a very, very, very good defender. Of course, and, if and had Matip, him in the Europa League final, we would have won the game against oh, Villa. Definitely. And the other thing about Sacco was that he was actually an excellent passer of the ball. But yeah. when they don't look elegant doing it, people seem to be desperate to say that they're not good at doing it. Yeah. And, yeah, and that, is what, that is what really frustrates me because Joel Matip is, for me, a better passer of the ball than, than Virgil van Dijk is. Oh, of course, like, yeah. Virgil van Dijk has a lovely, lovely looking switch to either side yeah. of the pitch. But when you want a threaded ball with really well thought out power and weight yeah between the lines there's very few defenders in european football who who have that pass better than van dyke i'd say koulibaly has it i'd say uh someone like john stones when playing well has it i mean yeah laporte laporte definitely has it laporte is basically a central midfielder playing in defense yeah of course course. yeah yeah I, i i think both of them combined, but sorry, we we digress from Van Dyke. The the point with Van Dyke, yeah. is he's he's genuinely like it it it's so nice to see 
that everyone in world football pretty much has very little dispute that Van Dijk got the award. I completely agree. No one is denying that Lionel Messi and Ronaldo are better footballers than Van Dijk. Yeah, of course, of course. Of course the of course. award isn't about who is the better footballer. Because yeah, yeah. if it was just about footballing ability, Lionel Messi would have won every award yeah, from yeah, now until he retires. 100%, 100%. And so the criteria is not that. The criteria is how influential have you, have you been to your team achieving its goals? If exactly. Liverpool have achieved the ultimate goal and you have been the primary decisive factor in that, there's no dispute as to why you shouldn't win that award. 100%. Like, Van Dijk, he, he was our key player in the Champions League last season. Like, you know, the moment away to Bayern Munich when he scored the header that just basically killed off the tie, which was a crucial goal in the game because if he didn't score that, it would have been 1-1. It would have been shaky towards the end of the game and Bayern just needed one, one goal to win the game. You know what I mean? And then you look at his display away uh, at home to Barcelona, sorry, and he pockets Messi. Like, Messi didn't oh, do yeah. it. So that's so that's literally one step towards beating Messi to the award, and after that, keeping a clean sheet in the Champions League final. So, like it wouldn't be like if Van Dijk didn't win it today, I don't think anybody would be arguing. It'd be like, oh, okay, fair enough, it's Messi. You know what I mean? Nasser, do you know do you know what the biggest sign of Van Dijk being this elite player is? Is that uh, rather than counting how many good performances, yeah, yeah. you can count not performances, you can count how many bad moments. Van Dijk has had. That's yeah, how good he is. That with one hand, I can I can count the Fulham mistake. Yeah, Sane's missed, uh, tackle on Sane. Sane tackle and yeah. letting Suarez steal behind him in the first leg against Barcelona. I that can was... count three mistakes. Yeah. In about a year. Yeah, and even even the Suarez even the Suarez thing wasn't even. Well, that, that was just great mistake. movement. That was just yeah, exactly. striker play. But that's what I mean. Is if you're picking holes, I can pick three holes in a year. There are a lot of defenders who are playing in the top six right now where you can pick out three mistakes a game. So Yeah, of course, you know. of course. Uh, just before we move on, like it's a similar thing to it's like when the player is so good, people try their best to look a fault in them. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. dribble pass thingy, like Arsenal fans are celebrating as if they won the game. Listen, you know what I mean? A screenshot. Uh, All they have, they didn't have a goal, they don't have a clip, <laughs> they don't have nothing. Exactly. They have a screenshot of one man running alongside another. Do you know how great you have to be for <laughs> someone for someone to t- picture yeah. you not being tackled? Not you getting yeah. past him, you exactly. not being tackled. Exactly. So, like, and also, like, another thing, like, at the new Camp, when it was just Messi and Van Dijk in the corner. Oh, yeah. Van, Dijk was Van Dijk was smart enough not to dive in. I don't yeah, know so, how so, that became an agenda, but it really made me laugh because it just showed me that... You know people, what I mean? Firstly, people don't understand anything about football. And secondly... <laughs> People don't understand what good defending is in in that sense. And do you, do you know what do you know what I fear the most, Mush? I fear that um, because people are making digs of Van Dijk doing similar things what we just mentioned. Imagine a day when he actually does get you know opened up, which will be a possibility. Like he's not gonna stay like this forever. Obviously, no one's perfect. Yeah, yeah, of course. Imagine outrage, then that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be disgusting. Like I will not be able to handle it. <laughs> do you know what though? It's it's that that for me is the true sign of greatness because if people notice the decline that means you've fallen from a very high standard i i think a good example and van dyke's better than him but for about five years i think branislav ivanovic was one of the best defenders in the premier league of course yeah and and he 
when he had, I remember that, I think it was about three, four years ago, when he had, I remember 10 seconds into the season, Jefferson Montero went past him and he fell off a cliff within three months. Yeah. People were coming after him because of the standard they hold him in. So yeah. listen, we, we, we can't, we might be seeing respect for Van Dyke right now, but yeah. <laughs> listen, that's the way the game works, right? When you're falling off, there's no mercy. I've cussed Wayne Rooney to the living daylight, <laughs> but I've seen Wayne Rooney be one of the best players in the world. So, you know, it, it comes with the territory, right? Yeah. And similar thing with like Jerome Boateng when like Messi done him, like it was never the same ever since then, which is understandable. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll find slight little digs. So before we just move on the Burnley Liverpool, we might as well just mention Alisson as well for the goalkeeping award because yeah. it's for not to. I've, since he, people say that Van Dijk carries Alisson, but then you look at the moments Alisson had us, uh, kept us in the game. Like you look at the, the Napoli one, for instance, like if he didn't save that, one would be in a Europa League, two, that would have derailed the whole season in the, in the title challenge last season. And thirdly, we just, we just won, won the Champions League. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that's a really good point. And yeah. I think what's important to mention here is that the people who complain about Alisson, yeah. who are namely non-Liverpool fans, yeah. as in who, who look for Alisson's flaws, right, yeah. are people, for me, who judge a goalkeeper by the general expectation of what you want a goalkeeper to do. Yeah? yeah, in the same in the same way, people judge Liverpool's midfield, even though it wins basically every football match it plays in, it still gets it still gets undermined, right? So, my thing with Allison is that normally, what do people want from a keeper? Uh, a calming influence. They want someone who's got authority. They want someone who's good at catching. They want they want those things, right? Yeah. But what are Allison's strongest strengths? Allison's biggest strengths are rushing out and closing an angle. He's fantastic at one to one. One-on-one yeah. -on -one chances. His distribution is brilliant. His yeah. ability to spot where the play is headed to either build moves or stop moves is fantastic. So I, I don't care about people who don't support Liverpool rating Alisson or not because yeah. I know the criteria by which they're judging him is wrong. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. It's just like, it's, it's, people are just going to prefer agenda over facts. Like, people compare Edison. Yeah, Edison is better. He's got better feet than Alisson. You know, I, I, won't, I won't deny that. However, there's a reason Alisson won starts the Starts for Brazil. Glove. Yeah, he starts for Brazil. He won the Golden Glove last season. Won the Golden Glove in the Copa America. And most kept the most clean sheets in the Champions League. So, there's a reason why he's the best goalkeeper in the world. And yeah. I, I, I think I think you, you, you mentioned something something very poignant there about Alison uh, and Edison and yeah and and I think this is why I'm always hesitant to want to give keepers big awards obviously if you're awarding goalkeepers then a goalkeeper needs to win an award but in terms of goalkeepers over other players yeah. is that I feel like whatever your team's objective is if the goalkeeper is of the level you need yeah it, it could be any goalkeeper does that make sense? So, yeah, so if, if Edison played for Liverpool, we'd be just as good. Or if Alisson played, we'd be just as good. Or if yeah. Oblak played, yeah, different game. But if you're a certain standard, you'll fit into any team that requires that level of performance, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course, it makes sense. It makes sense. But it just now it feels so happy that it was. It felt like it was yesterday when we had players like... Okay, Scott was not a bad player. However, he just wasn't... Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he just fell off as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and you know like the Cola Torres and like uh, the the Morenos and oh yeah, big, big up, big up Uncle to- Uncle Cola though. <laughs> yeah, 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 I love the guy. Yeah. I'm not going to forget the goal against Villa anyway. But um, yeah, and it is, and now it just feels so nice and refreshing to see that we have two of the best players in the world, and they're a goalkeeper and a defender. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now, okay, this is what we was meant to be recording for anyway. <laughs> so Burnley away on Saturday, half five. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, oh, okay. Burnley at half five on Saturday. I, yeah. I think firstly. I, I okay. The first thing I need to proclaim is that I love Ashley Barnes, right? And this isn't yeah. this isn't through. By the way, this isn't through one goal or this start of the season. Yeah. In my WhatsApp group, shout out my boy Kaysen. We yeah. call we've called him Barnzima for two years, right? <laughs> Ashley Barnes. Firstly, don't don't mistake the double chin and the beer belly for a lack of for a lack of footballing. Put, of course, of course, of course. Ashley Barnes's touch and awareness is fantastic. You yeah. look at the technique by which he he attempts all of his chances, not just that brilliant goal he scored against Wolves. I'm yeah. talking about anything he does is so crisp that it is he he is far above the level of probably what Burnley Burnley are going to achieve. I don't think he should yeah. leave because I think he should just become a cult status kind yeah, of hero of there. But yeah, okay, that, that's Ashley Barnes. So I respect the threat. Do I think do I think he's a big enough threat to threaten Liverpool? No, but that's yeah. more because the quality of our defenders. Um yeah. and I said that about Norwich. I said yeah. after we played Norwich, I said Norwich are gonna batter a lot of teams and of stay of up course. by miles because if you can do that to the best defense in the league, goodness knows what you're gonna do to anyone apart from Liverpool and City. Yeah, so I think I think yeah. I think Burnley are the same thing in that sense where I think Burnley are due to have a great season. Yeah. Um how do I think we should treat the game? Um I think we're very early in the season so we can go full pelt in terms of uh approach and lineup. I think we've always found it hard there looking back yeah. at looking back at the uh Clavan last minute goal, looking yeah. back at looking yeah. back at the one where uh, Allison threw it out quickly to uh, yeah. to Salah for yeah. the goal we scored. It, it's never an easy game, and that's more credit to Burnley than our problem. I think. Yeah. I think I th- this is a lazy assessment because I feel like people yeah. only use this when Liverpool don't play nicely. But rather than saying Burnley have a low block and we're rubbish against it, I would say that Burnley are structurally and tactically fantastic. So. Whereas every other team comes to try and defend against Liverpool and gets battered because Burnley are actually very good at that aspect of the game. Yeah. We find it tough. Yeah. I think players like Ben Mee are actually very good. He's a very good defender. He's probably and been... Tarkovsky, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Tarkovsky's good. Um, I think behind that, it's it's not great. Um, I think um, central midfield... Wise... So, yeah, yeah. It's going to be yeah. hard because, one, the Burnley... Goal net is really tiny mm-hmm. and really thin, and he takes the most of it. He's like six or seven, so he's also going to have a on Saturday as well. But yeah, I, I also I, I wanted to mention a fantastic was... shot stopper as well. I think people, yeah. people really don't rate that. But I think Nick Pope is the opposite of Allison, where all of the textbook goalkeeper stuff is brilliant. 
but yeah. his distribution is rubbish. I think he hit. Yeah, of I see Burnley fans complain all the time about him kicking out of play. But yeah, 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 based yeah. on what his job is going to be against Liverpool, I think that it's going to take a great finish or a fluky goal for us to score. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised. However, I was like, I was like, I was looking through some like Burnley games, like except for the Arsenal one. But I was watching them against Wolves, and I was watching them against Southampton, when which they beat three 0 and I felt like I don't think they're going to play like this against Liverpool. However, <laughs> against smaller teams, they've been finding their. You know when they finished in the Europa League that season. Yeah, it felt like they're playing that type of style. They're being, they're playing a bit more expansive football. You know, McNeil like he looks really dynamic. He's full of flair. Can and, I just say that yeah. about McNeil? And yeah. you, you, that's a good player you've raised there. Yeah, is Dwight McNeil is an exceptional talent. Like, of course, of course. When I, I noticed probably last year, just the, yeah. the occasional match of the day, just watching. Yeah. And and this is prior to him getting past Trent, which everyone loves to talk about, as if as if yeah. no yeah. one's allowed to get past anyone. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, is that Dwight McNeil has one of the sweetest left foots you could come across, and his <laughs> change of pace is brilliant. Like, I, yeah. I really think Dwight McNeil is destined for bigger things than Burnley. I'm not saying he'll get to the very top, but yeah. I think Dwight McNeil has the capability of probably playing for a top six side by the time he's 23 or 24. Yeah, of course. It just feels like, it just feels like you know... Um, it's just Sean not Dyke, fashionable to play for Burnley, right? That, yeah, that, yeah. That's Sean Dyke's philosophy is like restricting his abilities, but you, when you see him on the ball, like it was against Arsenal as well, he was like showing a bit of flashes, which is really nice to see anyway. Yeah. However, um... Yeah, just like I said, I don't think they're going to play the expansive football. Just like you said, they're just going to sit back, they're going to frustrate, and they're going to try to hit the counter and see what any set piece they got. Because we've seen that at the Emirates, you know what I mean? Like, literally, it was this long ball, hoping for the best, which they did. You know, they got a dirty deflection and Barnes has finished it, which was still a good finish. However, there's one thing that was on my mind. Okay, Go so ahead. a few local fans, a few local fans on Twitter were saying, Oh, it was the last game for international break. Let's just go all out. Stop Arnold. You know what I mean. Drop Wijnaldum. Stop Chamberlain. However, I'm starting to think like this isn't like FIFA. You know what I mean. I feel like if Arnold starts, I feel like one McNeil is going to get the best out of him, and two, I don't think his strength's up to scratch against Burnley away. If it was at home, it'd be a different game. And because it's away, it's thick. You know, the atmosphere, etc., etc., still be a huge factor. So this is what I was thinking. I was thinking, do you think Klopp will start Milner right back? I don't. One, I don't think he'll start Gomez because, you know, I feel like it will be a psychological issue due to him almost breaking his leg last season. I think it will like get to him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a really good load of questions you've got there. Um, <laughs> I've just just got to think about it. Um, I'd say the first thing you mentioned about Trent. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's healthy for Trent to any time you think there's a tough assignment to not play him. Because yeah. if he never plays in these tough assignments, how is he going to learn to cope in these tough assignments? Yeah. I think that, that that's the first thing. Um, and I think that Burnley away is an, I don't, I don't know how to word this, but an easy enough tough assignment yeah. to to put him in. Because... Yeah. It, it, he needs to learn. I'm, genuinely, this sounds like I'm being a teacher, but he needs to learn that there are games where you have to defend. And the only way you... It, people say about young players only all the time, the only only way you get better is by p- putting players in situations. So that's yeah. my first thing about Trent. The midfield is fascinating because 
I mean, I think we all know Fabinho starts, and, yeah. and that has to be the case because he's just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, now, this is a really tricky one because Twitter is obsessed with technique. Yeah, Twitter yeah. Is, is obsessed with ability. Yeah. But unfortunately, the game of football is a multi-dimensional game where the best technical players do not always achieve the most. They do not finish highest and they do not all play together in the same team. Yeah. So that means we're going to need some kind of mix where we know we're playing in the most physical game possible. Yeah. So I personally think in the type of physical game it's going to be, I think Wijnaldum should play. 100%, 100%. Um, because the difference between Henderson and Wijnaldum, I think it's quite... It's quite lazy to put them into the same profile. Yes, they're the same profile as in their workers, but yeah. Henderson is more of a, uh, how can I describe it? Like a cardio player, up and down. Yeah. He's very good at uh, running in terms of uh, verticals and um, covering distance. Vinaldum is a lot better. We see him do this a lot in terms of barging, shielding the ball. And, yeah, press uh, resistant. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and not just press resistant, but he doesn't mind... Uh, being touch tight and physical. I'd say yeah, Henderson yeah. is actually quite weak at that, weirdly enough. Yeah, yeah. Henderson's quite good if he needs to hound down a player because people don't realise that Jordan Henderson is a fitness freak. So, like, yeah. you'll have a quick winger like Dwight McNeil. Henderson will easily catch up to him. I don't yeah, think yeah. Van has got that in his locker. But I think in a game where we're going to try and keep the ball, but Burnley are going to try and put their foot in, Van uh, will cope with that better. So, I'd yeah. play... I play Fabinho, I play Vinaldum. God, now the next one. I was thinking Milner. I just feel like this game is just perfect for him. Like, this game is going to be great. Do you reckon? Because the last time Milner played at Turf Moor, he was dreadful. He was part of that cla clapback yeah. game where we had like 80% of the ball but didn't. Yeah. Um, but he also, like, for last season, they, you know, I mean, like, uh, to make it 1 1, just like, it just, it'll make sense for him to start in a way. I agree, but then don't you think it becomes a problem of if Burnley are playing a very compact way, yeah? yeah. And you've got Vinaldum and Milner playing. Yeah. Who is going to disrupt the shape of Burnley to create that space or lack of focus that will allow us to score? That is probably yeah. my worry by playing those two. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Just okay, so it's like someone asked me a question and he's like, okay, so just just because still on the same topic like does that mean we're just going to change to a 43 one and put shakiri like right attacking mid then just to, like add the extra dimension and then start either fabina henson or fabina wijnaldum in the, the two midfield or we're just going to still stick to like the 433 then because i feel like i i, I just don't want chairman to start this game i'm not I sure don't, i don't i don't think i don't i i think now I know I'm playing some mini violins here, but I've got the same injury as Chamberlain had, right? Yeah. So I'm obviously not a professional footballer, but the level of severity that injury has, yeah. it takes a long time to firstly get back to playing, which he is now. And then there's another whole level to get back to full pelt. Now, luckily, yeah. Chambo's young and he'll probably come back to be a great player. But I yeah. don't expect to see a full pelt Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain until about November, December at the okay. earliest. I think there's yeah. there's a long time to go. You could see in the Southampton game, he's he's kind of he's he's enthusiastic, but you can see he's not there physically. Yeah, and the, and the like the Super Cup final as well. He got subbed off at half. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, that, that's, that's good. 
That's why I just feel like this midfield. Like it, it, it wouldn't annoy me if it's Fabinho, Henderson, why now? You know what I mean? Because, like, that's our like winning the field for like the last three games. The last, yeah, the last three games. So it would make sense for them to start because one, it would be like conservative, but also, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, with Fabinho six for one, it would be more dynamic than Henderson, so he spray the ball faster. But I just feel like, can can I ask you a question? Yeah. Would you would you play? I'm just thinking about it now about that problem I said about disrupting shape. Would you potentially go for a 4-4-2 diamond with Firmino in the 10 and cause them a problem by having both Salah and Mane as forwards, but kind of who can peel wide if they want? So basically like Mane, Salah up top and Firmino... Mane, Salah up top, Firmino at the base, Wijnaldum and Milner either side and then Firmino in that mid-10. Because Firmino will work all day, he can come back to make sure we're not overrun. But also, basically, I want him to play behind... Westwood and whether it's DeFore or Hendrick or whoever they have, whoever's playing in that central midfield, play behind them so he's always looking over his shoulder and that will create space for the others, basically. Yeah, that, that, yeah that's also a shout as well, isn't it? but I just don't think Klopp would just play with diamonds because I don't think we rarely played it. Like, if, if it was to, if we was going to have that dynamic player, it would just be like a 43 one, you know what I mean? With like mm-hmm. Mane Salah Firmino with, with the, either Shakiri or Chamberlain. But I, I just guess we just have to see anyway. And um, yeah, so um, what do you think your lineups going to be anyway for this game? Oh God, I think it's going to be Alice. Uh, no, I can't say that. Sorry, <laughs> it's just like an automatic thought. Yeah, it'll yeah. Be, it'll be Adrian. It'll be. I think it will be Trent, Virgil, Matip, Robertson. Yeah. Um, Fabinho. I think it will be. Fabinho Milner Henderson. Yeah. Um. I th- oh, sorry, Fabinho Vinaldum Henderson. Yeah. I, I hate Vinaldum in these games. By the way, I think he's terrible away from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, he will play regardless of whether I want him to or not. Yeah. And then I think it will be Firmino Salah Mane up top. Yeah, that's. It's 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 very boring in terms of. We, I think, <laughs> I think Liverpool fans, as us Liverpool fans, we're a bit yeah. spoiled in terms of like we want to see variation. But why the hell do we want to see variation when that team gets us ninety-seven points? Like, what, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, to vary? of course, of course. Like I always used to be on the train. Like obviously, I'm still young, so I'm like really naive sometimes. Like throughout the summer, I was like, why are we standing still? Like Man City are strengthening. And I just like my brother. He just told me to like wake up. He's like, where did Man City strengthen? He's like. They just bought. They just had to replace an Asian Fernandinho, which I still don't think Rodri is better than him. And yeah. then they just bought Cantillo, which he still doesn't start. And they lost company. So yeah, that, 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 I, I think it's it's almost like yes, Arsenal got better. Yeah. Yes, Spurs got Endombele. Yeah. But how far away are they from us? Like they <laughs> took they took two steps forward out of the hundred steps they are behind us. So like I'm not. I'm I'm not getting influenced by what everyone else is doing. It's 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 more for me is that we need to I don't it sounds so cheesy to say but we need to believe in the team because they've earned it, right? They've earned they've they've earned like Man City have almost ruined the perception of what your expectations should be. I've yeah. grown up watching Fergie, Wenger, Mourinho I've watched all of them be extremely successful. And out of them, 
I think only that all of them have only got 90 plus points once. Yeah. So, so this thing of 95 point 95 plus is what it usually takes to win the Premier League is, yeah. is nonsense. It's not what usually takes to win the Premier League. Yeah. It's this freak environment that we're in. Yeah, that we're trying to. We are keeping up with. We lost by a point. We lost by a point. And it was so, literally just five margins, and it? it was literally yeah. five margins, and I. Nasser, we lost to the one team who won the league. It's not like we lost it in a million different places. The one game we lost was the team who won the league. So, exactly. I don't know. I, I I don't buy that. But anyway, we're talking about the midfield and yeah. that midfield. Though, yes, it doesn't excite me. It does. I've seen it a million times. I know what it offers. Um. I just want, if if it's about what I want them to do, I want Henderson to play like he did against against City in the Community Shield in the second half and yeah. the Norwich game. I want him to be that Henderson who underlaps or overlaps Salah to open up room for him or be there to whip in balls and you know disrupt their yeah. defensive shape. Be that. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't be the one who stands in line with Fabinho and offers nothing because yeah. you're not as good as Fabinho at his job. And on top of that, you're not offering anything extra. So don't be yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just before I go off about this preview, um, it's going to be one of those games where we're just going to hold, hold on to possession. We're going to dominate, but it's going to go down to the front three, which they have to be clinical. Like we're going to, it felt like last season, like when they, when they just wasn't potent enough, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm cost of some games so it's going to be times where we rarely will get chances but it's going to be down to if it's we're going to be about being cl clinical right yeah 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 so it's going down to execute anyway so hopefully that's the case um you guys asked me questions and me and mush is here to answer them um mush i think you will like this one uh someone called at the big drip king said do you think nabby is a generation midfielder or just a very good one or potential <laughs> to be good um, okay. Uh, the first thing I would say to that question is not every player who is successful has to be generational, right? Yeah. The word, the word generational should be applied to about four players per position, right? Yeah. Nabi Keita does not have to be in the four top four players of this decade to be a success at Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. So... So do I feel Nabi Keita has to be generational? No. Yeah. Do I think Nabi Keita is going to be a good player? This is interesting because I feel like a lot of people have put their stock into him. Um, I personally don't. Um, and the reason being is that Jurgen Klopp has yeah. evolved the Liverpool team a lot. And the reason I'm saying that is that when we signed Nabi Keita, we yeah. were a lot more hectic in our way of playing. We were a lot more, um, how can I describe it, explosive yeah, and, yeah. and athletic. And that suited Nabi Keita a lot more. Um, yes. in, in the year he had to wait and in the season that's just gone, we've slowed down how we play. We have a lot more control of games and we're a lot more possession based and we form our moves out wide and our midfield yeah. has to be a lot functional so yeah. if we've evolved to that Nabi's skills Nabi's skill set to me seems a bit void yeah do you see what i mean yeah, of and, course, of course. and and the other problem i find is modern football 
is all about moving the ball. Yeah, the ball moves quicker when you pass it. So being good, yeah, being good at carrying it, me is still me passing the ball forward twenty yards happens six times quicker than me running with the ball twenty yards. So, so there will be games where we need Nabi because the angles to pass that ball, like I'm saying, won't be there. But in an ideal world, I don't want us to carry the ball rather than pass the ball. Does that yeah, make sense? Of yeah, of course, of course. So, but, yeah, but yeah. we also seen like, you know, ev- everyone's got like this expectation of Nabi Keita thinking, oh, he's the next. Um, it's because that number eight show as well, isn't it? Like it's got, yeah. to, like it's very nostalgic, etc., etc. But, but like, then, Nasir, Nasir, I, yeah. I'll ask you your opinion. I know you're yeah. interviewing me, but I'll ask you as well. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of We're course. talking about a central midfielder who wears a number eight shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I would say Nabi Keita's dribbling or carrying ability is probably a seven to eight out of ten. Even now, even though he's not playing well. Yeah, but, of, course, of course. But if I ask you out of ten, how good is Nabi Keita's passing? What would you give it out of ten? Five. <laughs> how how good is Nabi Keita's shooting? The thing is. I only saw like two clips of him at Leipzig, and I was like only like three shots. No, no, okay, but but since he's been at Liverpool, because I've seen him oh, take plenty okay. of timid um, shots. I'll say four. Like he scored against Porto, but it was a deflection anyway. There you go. So you said that, and yeah. Jamie Carragher once said about footballers making it. Yeah, is yeah. that a footballer needs to be good in either box? Either yeah. you're great defensively in the box, or you're great at the attacking end of the box. Yeah, Naby Keita is brilliant. In the middle of the pitch, but he is he, none of his strengths are decisive parts of a football. Yeah, match. he was. I remember the thing about the shooting, like it was a community final, that he came on and he had that golden opportunity. Yeah, but I've, I've seen that was one of his better shots. I've I've seen <laughs> I've seen Abicator a million times. I've seen Abicator. I remember I went I went to the London Stadium to watch the West Ham game, right when we drew yeah. one one. Yeah, and the number of times Naby Keita would beat three men, magic. Like yeah, literally, I, I was sitting I, by West Ham fans, and they'd be like, "This this guy is like silk the way he runs." Yeah. But the moment he comes, he, so he's beaten the midfield, and he's in front of the defense. So now's your moment. Now's your moment to either unlock a defense by waiting a good pass, yeah. or it's about you maneuvering some room to take a shot. But what Naby Keita does is he beats three men. He then stops. And he looks and he sees everyone now in position defensively. Yeah. And he just waits for two seconds and then it'll take a needless shot that hits a defender. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. for me, if all of your IQ is in the middle of the pitch and where I need you to do something decisive doesn't happen, yeah. I'm, question- I'm questioning what you're going to offer the team that is not being offered right now. Yeah, Henderson and Henderson and Vinaldum are limited when it comes to the final third. But if Naby yeah. is also limited, then why are people talking about him as this generational player that he's obviously not shown? Of course, of course, of course. Like you know, there's no denying that he does add a bit of dynamism and flair. Brilliant. About, yeah, yeah. It's about, yeah, it's about what he does with it. You know what I mean? Like Naby has the potential. He has the potential to be a quality midfielder. Like there's a reason why we waited one year, and there's a reason why we paid like over sixty million for him. However. Yeah. Time's ticking, you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, time, I mean, time you say ticking. time's ticking. Time's ticking for us as a fan base and our expectations of him. Jurgen yeah. Klopp has a very different relationship to his players. Jurgen Klopp might see Naby Keita as an important cog in the machine yeah. later on down the line. We we just, it's it's almost like, like we were talking about football. We want to enjoy the here and now. And, yeah. you know, we want everything right now and to enjoy, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 
perfection doesn't exist and Naby Keita might be part of a strong Liverpool setup and system maybe yeah. in six months time maybe in a year's time we, we just don't know we can lose yeah. patience with him the important bit is he's an asset for Liverpool will Jurgen Klopp yeah that's that is true that is true and like we seen it away like it was at the new cup like the first half an hour like he was really good you know what I mean like Fantastic. he was busting the field but then he got tackled which is in, injury and then it led to like Guinea getting injured again which is a shame but just like you said is up to Klopp what he's going to do with him. We that, easily, don't you think that's really confusing though for me it really confuses yeah. me it, when we talk about the physicality of the Premier League we talk about two aspects right we talk about yeah. the intensity aspect in terms of the amount of running and we talk about physicality in terms of the strength and the actual contact yeah. I feel like Naby Keita is okay with the intensity in terms of the speed of matches but it really confuses me how he can't adapt to the strength and contact that is involved in the Premier League like he just yeah. seems so flimsy when I watch him play he's just flimsy like yeah. I, I don't understand that like I want him to like you know the bit of the Bruyne, like we think he's slow, but he's he's got pace, he's oh, powerful, and he's powerful. He, yeah. he literally his first few strides are really like they're like an engine, like it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like we like, and some love fans have this like picture in the head that that's what Navigate is. No, that's what we want Navigate to, to become. You know what I mean? Like they play similar positions, but just. De Bruyne, uh, like we, Navigator just needs to up his strength and his end product. Then he has no choice not to become a world class player. You I, know I, mean? I think, I think Liverpool fans, well, those who are like this, need to look at themselves a bit and think if all you can retweet and talk about Nabi are a moment in a game, let's say he nutmegs someone, let's say he yeah. drops a shoulder, if that's all you can talk about in his performance, what is that saying about how he's performing? Of course, of course, of course. Like, I feel like they just... It's like one of the players, you know, he's likeable in it. And, you know, like football Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, people yeah, like, yeah. And, and like, people should like him. Listen, I, yeah. I might I might sound like a hater at the moment. I'm not a hater at all. I, I, I want the guy to do... No, it's constructive criticism, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's just for me, I'm looking at a combination of what does the team require? What does the league require? Do Are you showing any of those things? At the moment, the answer is a resounding no. So Yeah, yeah. And there's like, yeah, just, and like last thing about like the midfield and navigator before we move on. There's one thing that irritates me. I'm not sure if it irritates you, but people say, what is Liverpool's best midfield? Like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, you, well, you, again, that's laziness, right? Like, you know, exactly. football is one of the most analytical, uh, analytical structural sports in the world where each, forget each game, each minute you need to adapt to how the game's changing. Yeah, so yeah. why the hell everyone has this standard format for like, Go, I mean, these guys must be rubbish at football manager then because they must just put, <laughs> put, out, put out the same team every week and then just eventually think... It's, it's just so lazy. I, I, if, if I had a manager and that's all we did, yeah. then I would worry more. I would rather <laughs> me not understand someone yeah. as well thought out as Klopp. I remember... Do you remember last year or was it the year before when we went to Brighton away in 1-5-2 and we had yeah. Chan and Vinaldum at centre-back? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Free the back in it, yeah. Yeah, and we thought, what the hell is going on? The way we played that game, right, I knew from that day onwards, firstly, I am nowhere close to being a manager, regardless of how much football I <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And secondly, football is so flexible in how you can find solutions. This yeah, yeah. nonsense of what's the midfield three is just, 
it's just so lazy. I, I can't I can't accommodate that in my head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just before we move on, like the way you said flexible and stuff like that. That was pretty funny because my brother is Arsenal fan and he's like, Oh Nasir, your midfield annoys me so much. Like, why is it like I swear all your midfield could like play right back in a way? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I think that's awesome though. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But uh just to quickly round up this uh preview, um, what do you think the score prediction is gonna be? Oh god, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be two nil Liverpool. Yeah. Two nil, I think it'll be a goal mid first half or early second half. Yeah. And then we score one late on when they're trying to go forward. I think and if you want a goal scorer, it's the first goal of the game. And there's only one man who scores the first goal of the game, and that's Sadio Mane. Yeah, of course. He's gonna he needs he if we do my win favorite my favourite, favourite Liverpool player. So Of course, of course. I think it's going to be 2-1. I, I do think we will concede anyway. I just okay, feel a bit... Cool. Who do you think will score? Bonzema. Ah. Yeah, Bonzema. <laughs> Bonzema, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mush, it's been an absolute pleasure, by the way. Um, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Do you want to say quick something about your new host? Yeah, Bob? yeah, yeah. No, uh, And firstly, let me just... I'll tell you about the podcast i think it's brilliant what you're doing i think thank, thank you. you very much for having me i didn't think I'd, I'd have as much to say but i felt like i talked for the whole of england just then so yeah, yeah, yeah. thank thanks a lot for that um in terms of what i'm doing yeah i i uh i've started something quite unique so uh yeah. as we know this is the main podcast out there but there are various podcasts available and i think i didn't want to just go into that market so uh i've started a foot the first ever football game show yeah, and uh, it's called Rival Survival, and Nasser, you'll be on very soon, uh, <laughs> a Liverpool episode, and it's 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 really unique. It's all about like uh, it's not just you know who scored how many goals. I do games, for example, you've got to go up against someone and name the lineup of a historical game. Yeah, you've got to you've got to name things. So we have a round called Top to Bottom, which is yeah. for example the top ten tallest players in Liverpool. You have two lives, but you have to get through the whole list. Ah, oh, that's yeah, listening to it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and um, it's 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 loads of fun. Everyone who's been on it so far, I've had guys from Arsenal Fan TV. I've got yeah. guys from uh, uh, Blues TV come in. I've got uh, Last Word on Spurs, which is the biggest Tottenham podcast. I've yeah. been really lucky to have some good profile guests, but it's all about you guys, whoever's listening. It's just as much for normal fans. I don't want it to be a celebrity show. We all love football. We all think yeah. we know. It. We all think we know everything about football. So if you're if you're talking large, then Come and join me. <laughs> yeah, that, I hope everyone that's listening checks out his channel. It sounds really fun. Um, but for now, Mush, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And sure. um, everyone, thank you for listening to the Flat Track Bully. And I hope I see you guys next time when I do a match reaction for the Burnley game. See ya. Ciao.